0: The Army is using other transaction authority to purchase prototypes of tactical vehicles that would be dropped from helicopters. Soldiers would then climb aboard and head to battle. That, says my next guest, is a repeat of many old mistakes. Mark Thompson is a national security analyst for the Project on Government Oversight, and he joins me now. Mark, good to have you on.
1: Glad to be on, Tom.
0: So you have written an article saying that basically what the army is trying to do is defy the laws of physics in developing this type of vehicle. Tell us what's going on.
1: Well, it's really not defying the laws of physics so much as it is acknowledging them. I mean, everything the military does is a balancing act. When you go to war, how many troops do you throw in? How quickly do they get there? How much money do you spend? And what is your ultimate goal? In the same way, when you develop a weapon for example, in the instant case we're talking about, you have to balance how much armor are we going to put on this soldier carrying vehicle, vice, how quickly are we going to be able to get it to the battlefront? Obviously, soldiers are safer with more armor, but if you get too much armor, they can't be delivered by air. So the experts at the Pentagon and then the army have to move that fulcrum back and forth between troop protection, and speed of deployability. Um, The Marines have tried to come up with a land-going vehicle that could be delivered by their V-22 tilt rotor that ended as a fiasco and basically became tactical golf carts in the last 20 years. The Army is now trying to do the same, coming up with a vehicle that could be carried inside a CH-47 Chinook helicopter to be delivered to the battlefield. The question is, um, once you do that, and once you get your nine person squad on the battlefield in that vehicle, will they be safe? And as we learned to our chagrin in the 2003 invasion of Iraq, when we sent in all of our thin-skinned Humvees to carry our troops, they were sitting ducks for a variety of IEDs and other $100 crudely made weapons that killed hundreds of them which led us to spend sure. uh, tens of billions of dollars on MRAPs mine resistant and bush protected vehicles and the concern here is simply we're going to repeat that
0: and you've posted some videos and it shows one of these vehicles being driven and the thing i noticed about it is it has it's fast and it can hold several soldiers but there are no windows or doors on it. It's basically an open cage, and so it doesn't look very protective. That's what you're getting at.
1: Well, I mean, that's a, that's a very fair point. Obviously, for the new army vehicle, when you read the technical specifications and you ask about, well, how are the soldiers protected once they're on the battlefield? What the army tells you is that they'll be going fast. In other words. Their mobility will outrace enemy bullets. And if you're the father or the mother of a soldier, you might have concerns about that. The fact of the matter is that on this vehicle, the sole protection offered our soldiers will be their helmets, their body armor, and uh, whatever else they can carry in their personal kit. The vehicle will not have any protective uh, armor on it. And so the question becomes just as it was in a recent, uh, bad incident in Africa, where we lost four soldiers, um, they had opted to go in without armor. They were killed. As soon as that happened, everybody threw up their hands and said, we can't let that happen again. Well, just like the Humvees in the Iraq invasion, um, they stopped doing that. And the same thing is going to happen here with this new program.
0: We're speaking with Mark Thompson. He's National Security Analyst for the Project on Government Oversight. And speaking of that balancing fulcrum, you also point out that the carried weight of the average soldier keeps going up. And in some cases, I think their full battle kit weighs something like more than 100 pounds that they're carrying on them. And that's also a concern the Army is dealing with. This would seem to mitigate in favor of keeping the weight on the soldier rather than having it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the problem, Tom, here is that the Army's response to that notion is to come up with robotic mules that will basically go into combat with soldiers carrying all their gear so the soldiers can still be light minimally armored but the heavy stuff could come in on mechanized units that would go with them into battle and if you believe that will work i've got a bridge in arizona i'd like to sell you
0: and what about congressional oversight? Has there been any question of this program to deploy these vehicles and, and whether it's going to lead to the right outcome for, at any amount of money?
1: Well, I think the key thing here is this is, in the overall scheme of the military, a pretty small program. It's not going to cost, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars like the F-35, which tends to attract the most attention. And plainly, what you find in these smaller programs is the people who scream the loudest about it are those in whose districts it is made, vice the other members of Congress who really don't care that much. And let's face it, um, today's Congress is basically a rubber stamp for what the military wants, because to deny the military what it wants in today's political environment is deemed as being unpatriotic, and no lawmaker wants to be seen as being unpatriotic.
0: Well, yeah, that's a bigger issue. But getting back to the items that might be dropped from a helicopter, is there any stopgap or any point at which you're aware of that the Army would say, I don't think this is going to work? and they would stop the program, or is this this one of those, like the F-35, with irrespective of how many problems it keeps encountering, they get so far in, they never back out?
1: Right. It's always uh, too early to tell and too late to stop. Listen, so long as the top line of the Pentagon budget keeps going up, you get all of these niche programs uh, like uh, Johnny Appleseed sprouting all over the country, And they continue to grow until a drought comes in Pentagon spending. And then they've got to cut them back. And this obviously is one that would be ripe for such a cutback if budgets began to shrink.
0: What would be the alternative to a vehicle dropped from a helicopter then or or a V-22? What would they have instead? Or what do they have instead?
1: What they have instead is what they've used forever, which are paratroopers. These soldiers are paratroops. Uh, they'd go in on foot. They would not have a vehicle. Uh, The problem is, you know, this gets all into the current lay of the land and warfare. Um, Missiles on the ground have become so good and have such long range that these paratroops would have to be dropped well away from their objective so to have them walk to their objective to take a town or to get a bad guy um, would be an arduous hike if they have vehicles they can get there quicker but that's the way it's been done since world war ii Um, and what the army is trying to do is say well we can come up with a vehicle that can cut that transit time dramatically because we can fly that vehicle close enough to the objective without coming within range of those enemy missiles, and then our guys and gals can drive the rest of the way in. Uh, That's the $64,000 question. Can they do it? Will the vehicle be safe? And if it's not, well, maybe uh, this isn't the proper approach to this particular military problem.
0: Mark Thompson is a National Security Analyst for the Project on Government Oversight. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, Tom.
0: We'll post this interview together with a link to his analysis at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. (coughs)
1: Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet.